perhaps just makes you think when you come up to preach and you've been informed that most of the congregation were praying for a new minister um, and uh, well your prayers have been answered and from the end of March onwards not every Sunday by any means but uh, we will have our own uh, minister uh, preaching and, and taking us through the Bible. But um, we're at a point this morning now where we move on to the, the next uh, part of our discipling program. We've not been pushing it too much as a title because we didn't want people to think it was a course that we were working through. We wanted to be going through helping people to be discipled, to grow uh, in a title that we called Alive. And we, we move on this morning to our next session, our next module. It happens to be module number six, so I hope you remember what the last five were. Um, okay, and we move on over this period now between January and February when we're thinking about God in action. And we're looking at the Exodus, I was going to say the book of Exodus, it is the Exodus, a foundational event for Judaism and even more so for Christians. And we look how the nation of slaves became a kingdom of priests. And our title this morning as we head off on this particular journey is The God Who Cares. Now, actually, I don't think I need to say a lot more now because we've already heard from all those who came up and spoke about their answered prayer about the God who cares. Well, let's just look at uh, that Exodus reading, particularly this morning. You see, Israel was a nation that traced its lineage back to one man, Abraham a man who had received a set of promises from God. Israel, indeed, was born of promise. But in the beginning of Exodus, it seems that, well, those promises were merely an empty set of words. You see, the people have been in Egypt almost 400 years since they'd received those promises, and there's no biblical record of any prophet speaking to the people during that time. There's no record of any writings handed down from Abraham to, sub, to subsequent generations about God's dealings. So at this point, we find Israel, who has been promised Canaan as a homeland, living as slaves in Egypt. How they got there was simple enough to explain. A long time ago, there was a famine in Canaan and the only place to get food was in Egypt. So, to Egypt they went. And they stayed there until the famine had passed. And when it did, they decided they liked it well enough to stay around. They were comfortable. They were provided for. And after a few decades, they were, well, at home in Egypt more at home than they had been in Canaan. But things began to go downhill because they became a little bit more powerful. The Egyptians were concerned and they fell prey to the fears of the powerful 
Egyptian leaders. And to prevent them from becoming a threat, a pharaoh enslaved them, using them to build his own wealth and power and put in particular pressure on them. And their current land became a home of oppression. Even Moses, the man who is to be God's instrument of delivering them, sees no other way. He's willing to fight for injustice himself. He kills an Egyptian, but he's no match for the injustice his kinsmen face. And Moses flees to Midian. And while in exile there, he starts a family, gives the child a most telling name, Gershom, saying the name was because I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Well, it sounds as if Moses has brought into this current situation. You see, that's part of the problem. The Israelites had settled for a life in Egypt and began actually to be comfortable there. See, that can be our problem as Christians today, particularly in the West. We can be very comfortable with the situation we find ourselves in. We find that once we would stand firm or stand out against particular things, well, now we began to accept them. In some areas, that might be a good thing. It might mean we can get amongst the people. But it also means that, well, the church may have watered down the gospel. And we aim to live in a way that the world lives. We adapt our faith to the circumstances. It becomes much clearer as the Israelite story goes on that while in Israel, uh, that the Israelites didn't really want to be slaves, but they also didn't want to leave Egypt. They really didn't even understand how extensive and how radical God's deliverance would eventually be. His actions in the Exodus would completely redeem and redefine Israel. The Exodus story is a story of complete redemption. They became a people, as I said, who moved from a nation of slaves to a kingdom of priests. You see, we have a God who cares, a God who will take action. I was helped considerably by what I heard from the testimonies this morning because when you come to to preach about the God who cares, there's always going to be people in the congregation and at one stage in our life, most of us, who will be saying, if God really cares, why does this happen? Why does this happen in my life? We've heard this morning that if we pray, if we come before God, he does have a plan. He will see us through it, although we may not understand. The Exodus really doesn't, or the book of Exodus doesn't really start until we get to this verse or these verses that we read this morning. This is where it really starts. 
During the long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. They cried to help because of the slavery that went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. See, these brief verses that kick off the Exodus answer the questions the Israelites were asking. Is God there? Have you ever asked that question? Is God there? Does God hear? Is God there? Does God hear? In the Hebrew, I understand, the author uses only 15 words in these verses, but repeats the word God four times, putting a strong emphasis on the Lord himself. The four word phrases, God hears, God remembers, God sees, and God knows. And they all come and are encompassed in our title or our subject this morning, The God Who Cares. Whilst it seems quite clear that God was behind the earlier story of Moses' birth, it's clear that in the crying out of Israel, that actually triggers the Exodus event. In the next chapter, Moses is told that God is acting because he'd heard the cry of Israel. And later on in the Book of Exodus, after initial reshuffle by Pharaoh, Moses is told again, I have heard the groaning. But I won't go on to other verses or into the rest of the book because we'll be going through that over the next six weeks or so. You see, Israel became too much at home in Egypt. They disregarded their identity as a people to whom God had made a promise. They became complacent. They'd fallen asleep. Where are we today in the life of the church? The church in this country? Well, I leave you to reflect on that as we see laws passed which we would not feel are right, as we see leaders of our government and other governments going in a direction that we believe is not right. So God hears. So while the Israelites certainly wondered whether or not God was hearing, or whether he even cared, he did hear their groanings. He did care. You see, and he always hears our cries. It might be interesting to come and look at a number of these pieces of paper to see really what we were crying out this time last year. We read in Psalm 34, verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. And we need to take hold of that. When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears. What we need to do is when we go and make an honest cry to the Lord, is to be assured 
as we cry out, he is listening. God remembers. Well, not only does God hear, but he also remembers his covenant, his promise to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and their descendants. Indeed, at the time of the formal establishment of the covenant with Abraham, God tells, actually tells him about this very time when the descendants would cry out in Egypt. God knew the way things would go. It was part of his plan. The time in Egypt was not an unexpected occurrence to God. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't called off guard. He's never caught off guard. He's always ready. But God had also promised his deliverance. He couldn't forget his people in Egypt. What about us? Well, he's not forgotten us. In Matthew 24, it says, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. If we're God's people, our name is right in God's palm, directly in front of his face, never to be forgotten. God always remembers his promises. In Corinthians, Paul says, For no matter how many promises God made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. God hears, God remembers, God sees. God sees the Israelite. It seems all that is happening to them, the slavery under which they suffer, the murder of children, even worse, depression is coming. But God sees. The enemies of God, especially Satan, always try to make people believe that God doesn't see and God doesn't care. And God knows. This is actually probably the most important clause of those four. And apparently the English translators have struggled a bit with this phrase and it has actually been translated in many different ways. The one we read this morning in the NIV was concerned about them, is the translation. Others' translation used the word took notice of them, had respect to them. Apparently the Hebrew is quite simple. It says, God knew. What else does God know? What else does he know that's relevant to the Israelite situation? What else does God know that is relevant to your situation and mine? God knows his plans for the Israelites. Just as he does for his plans in our life. We read in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We could go to many scriptures, passages, and see testimonial of how God cares. And as I say, I think the key thing is this morning, the testimonials we've heard about the way that God cares and answers prayer. Just a quick thought from that New Testament reading. 
Just one example. Peter's being held prisoner for trial until the Passover. We're not told, actually, that Peter was crying out to God, but the church certainly were. And the night before the trial, yes, the last minute, God springs Peter from jail. And then Peter comes to himself after he's been uh, led by the angel. Now I know without doubt that the Lord sent an angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. God will send an angel. He does care. He knows our situation. He knows your situation. He knows mine. Sometimes it's hard to really work it through. Many of the messages in the Bible, and again, the story of the Israelites, you're talking about hundreds of years. We read one chapter and then turn over to the next and see it as a, as a short story. I can assure you that God cares. He's a God who sent his son to die for you and me. How much more caring could he do? We need to remember whatever our situation this coming year, whether we have a year of complete rejoicing or from day one we're struggling, God knows, God hears, God remembers, God cares for you and for me.